You sure are a big voice guy at 7.08 on a, uh, well, now it's a nice, uh, bright Wednesday evening here in Toronto and surrounding area. Employment Hour is back on your uh, on your speakers and your phone calls. Ready for them. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell and one triple eight two two five. talk That number is toll-free. Lots of stuff to cover uh, tonight on the show. We'll talk about the independent contractor and all the yes and no's and I don't know's and the maybe's when it comes to that particular topic. We'll get to the severance pay calculator. We'll get to your job, your severance, you being unemployed, your phone calls, some answers by Lior, and we always, mon frere, start with the, uh, the week that was. How are you, pal? Uh, I'm not, I don't speak French, so I'm hoping you didn't call me a bad name. No, I'm, I'm just kidding, of course. I do remember some French. But uh, great to be back here, Johnny, and to talk uh, about employment law and to hopefully uh, educate some more people. Always, always looking to educate and inform. You know, we've been doing this show for five and a half years now. Uh, long time, but every single week we have new people that have not heard the show before that either happen to catch us or where someone told them that you got to listen to this show. So welcome aboard. If you haven't uh, caught the show before, you're not sure what this is about, we're, we're here to talk about your workplace rights. We're here to talk about employment law. What happens if you have a workplace problem? If someone did something to your work, if your job has been changed, if your uh, rights have been violated, if you've been discriminated against, all those things. We cover them on every show, every week, and we're answering questions. So take advantage of the fact that we're here for the next 40 minutes or so. Ask those questions. Let's yeah. talk about it. Let's make sure that we educate and inform you. And if you're not sure if you should be asking or if you're not sure if you want to get on air tonight with us, call me at the office. We'll give you my number. We'll give you my email address. Don't sit on your rights. Don't give up on your rights because guess what? The law is actually pretty darn good when it comes to employment law. And the week that was, John, as you said, where we start, a couple situations that came across my desk just very recently. First situation I'll talk about, uh, I spoke with a young lady actually earlier today. She got into a bit of a spat, I guess, uh, or a disagreement, I should say, with uh, her manager. She worked uh, at a retail store, and she had uh, asked for some time off. She understood that she got the approval. Apparently, there was a misunderstanding. She ended up taking the time off. Her manager was unhappy with that. Be that as it may, instead of doing something about it, you know, that's legal, what the manager right. decided to do is simply to stop scheduling her. So the manager just said, you know, you were supposed to work these shifts. We're not going to schedule you anymore. Didn't fire her. Didn't give her any paperwork. Just stop scheduling her. And she contacted me, distraught, saying, well, what's, this, what's going on here? Do I have a job? Do I not have a job? I haven't been on the schedule for two weeks now. What's happening? Well, here's the thing, John. If you're not being scheduled, if you're not being given work, then you've been let go. Okay, right. your employment has been terminated. Can you imagine if the company says, "Oh no, we're not letting you go. We're just not going to give you any more work or pay yeah. you anymore." Uh, obviously, it doesn't work that way. The basis of having a job is they give you a job, you do the job, they pay you for that job. Uh, so she was actually terminated, and, and in being in terminating her, they owe her severance. And this is not the first time when I've come across this situation, pretty much always in retail uh, or maybe in the food industry as well, where company yeah. stops or the employer stops giving the employee shifts. Well, guess what? If your employer doesn't give you shifts anymore, you have been let go. That there's no more, there's no more job. You can't be more let go than that. So you're owed severance. She did nothing wrong. She had worked there for three years. I assessed her as being owed about four to five months of severance, and I'm going to help her get that severance. So again, if your employer doesn't give you work for whatever reason, there's no other way to call this other than a termination, yeah. which means, John, people get severance. 
You need to get a hold of Lior, uh, by the way, when we're not on the air. Simple, one 821 5900 Help at employmenthour.com. Phone lines are open here at the radio station as well. I saw a couple of calls come there. Must have got bashful. Feel free to call in, ask your questions, because I know you got them. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, and one 225 talk That's toll free. What else you got going on? Spoke with a gentleman, John, who uh, had worked uh, regular shifts uh, pretty much for, for his entire employment with the company, almost 10 years, uh, in, a, in a manufacturing facility. Uh, Monday to Friday, uh, sometimes it was day, sometimes it was nights, so it was rotating shifts, but, but always, always those weekday shifts. Well, recently the company had decided that employees are going to have to work uh, weekends as well. Not uh, every weekend, but the occasional Saturday, they're going to have to work. Uh, most employees were fine with that. Well, he wasn't. He wasn't because he actually had a second job that he was doing on the weekends, uh, and he couldn't do it. Uh, so he told his employer that, I can't do it. They said, well, too bad. That's the new rule. It applies to everyone. And when he didn't show up to the to the job on the weekend, they sent them a letter saying, well, you've resigned because uh, you didn't show up to your Saturday shift. Uh, so we wish you all the best and, and farewell. And he called me, of course, again, distraught, wanting to know what's going on and can they do this. Well, the answer, of course, John, is no. They cannot do this. They don't have a right, they being the employer, to change the terms of employment this way. If he works Monday to Friday, now they want him to work on the weekend. If he agrees, that's fine. But if he doesn't agree, they can't make him. That's a significant change to the terms of employment, which means if he doesn't do it and they decide to, to let him go because of that or consider him to have resigned, that is a termination. That's not a real resignation. That would otherwise be a constructive dismissal. So they owe him severance. He did not have the right or, or the obligation, I should say, to work on the weekends. They didn't have the right to make him. So uh, there's an important lesson there for everyone. If your employer changes your shifts, your hours of work, uh, you know how you do your job, your compensation, any of those things, those are big changes. That's a big deal. They can't make you, and they can't punish you for saying no. In fact, you may be able to treat that as a termination, as a constructive dismissal, and get your severance. You have a right to the terms of your employment, just like you can't decide that you're going to change the terms. You can't go to your employer and say, employer, from now on, I've decided that I'm going to work Saturdays, right? right? You can't do that. By the same token, your employer can't come to you and saying, I and say I decided you're going to work Saturday. A deal's a deal, and both employer and employee are bound by it. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on cell one triple eight two two five. Talk that number's toll free. Use it. Lots of time to call in until around ten to eight and ask your questions. Get them solved. Dan, uh, first one up. How are you, pal? Good, thank you. And yourself? Good, sir. What's uh, what's going on with you tonight? Um, question about my wife's recently new union contract to get about severance okay in the contract there is nothing about severance and the uh it's a possibility that this factory could end up closing in the next five years is there a standard severance set up from the government the problem with the unionized employee, Dan, is that when it comes to losing your job, a unionized employee is always going to get a fraction of what a, a non-union employee is going to get. So a unionized employee is going to get the minimum stipulated by the government, which is essentially a week's pay per year of service to a maximum of eight weeks, and, and that's it. Whereas a non-union employee could get a month per year of service, two months, three months, depending on a number of factors. So your wife is going to get those minimums, a week's pay per year, if, in fact, she does lose her job, if the plant does close down. 
and and you know it is what it is. There's not going to be much that she's going to be able to do about it. She won't be able to fight that. That's kind of standard for unionized employees. Uh, so yes, there is a minimum, and a unionized employee is only going to get that minimum. That's what I thought, but I just thought I'd better make sure for my own fighting grounds. Sure. Dan, appreciate that. Uh, you need more information moving forward. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is Lior's direct number, and help at employmenthour.com. It's worth mentioning as well. And I know we have you know countless times on this show that when it comes to un- uh, unionized employees, they can't employ you or hire you or any other employment lawyer for that matter, right? Unfortunately, a unionized employee has to go with the union. There's no other yeah. option. And I, I get emails literally, John, every day. People saying. Well, the union's not helping me, and I'm not, I'm not getting any results. Unfortunately, even in those situations, the only one that's allowed to help you mm-hmm. is the union. I can't help you. No one else can help you. It's one of the things, one of the concerns or the realities that comes with being part of a union. I want to get into more of our phone calls here in just a minute. As I mentioned off the top, we are going to get into our continuing discussion uh, from uh, from earlier in the past show from Monday. Um, that sorry, you're not actually an independent contractor. Now, uh, why are we talking about this? John, we're talking about this because it's such a common issue. My gosh, it's such a common issue. I talk to people every single day without any exception. People where uh, they believe they're independent contractors. I talk to companies, they believe that they have independent contractors working for them, and really they're not. They're employees. And when you misclassify yourself or when the company misclassifies you, it comes with a a boatload of problems. Number one, you're not going to get minimum wage. You're not going to get overtime. You're not going to get vacation pay, even though you should be getting them. You're not going to get severance if you lose your job, even though you should be getting it. Uh, and, of course, you, you, you run the risk of CRA auditing you and getting into trouble with CRA. So with all those things, you want to get it right. And if you're not sure, if you're an independent contractor or an employee, well, stay tuned. We're going to talk about that exactly. You, uh, you're darn right. So let's look at some uh, specific situations. So uh, you work for a company, but they don't deduct taxes. You are responsible for your own taxes with CRA. Does that make you an independent contractor? It makes no difference whatsoever. And a lot of people are going to be shocked by that. They're going to say, well, wait a second. How does that work? Because the company doesn't take off taxes. Uh, I pay my own taxes. I deal with CRA on my own. So obviously, I am not an employee. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Just because the company should be doing it and it's not doing what uh, what it should be doing doesn't change the nature of the relationship. We don't really care about who pays taxes. We care about what is the relationship. Do you have a regular job? Do you go work for the company? Uh, do you work out of their offices? Are you, do you have regular hours? If, you, if the answer is yes to these questions, you are an employee. And you can't avoid that, and the company can't avoid that reality, just because you say, well, I'm paying my own taxes. Again, if that was the case, everyone would be an employee. Or, or wouldn't be an employee, would be an independent contractor, right? So no, who pays your taxes is not a factor that goes into deciding if you're an employee or an independent contractor. So uh, the problem is if you pay your taxes and the company should be the one deducting and they're not, then there could be liability for CRA, but it doesn't change whether you're an employee or an independent contractor. Yeah, I was just going to ask that. Does that get you into a sticky situation with CRA? I mean, other than just being called or misclassified as an independent contractor, if you miscalculate or whatever, I guess you could find yourself in a whole heap of trouble, right? Well, absolutely. But the, the other problem, and I'm not a tax expert, but if I'm, I'm, I believe I'm an independent contractor, okay, let's say that, but I'm not, well, I'm going to be deducting my gas and my mortgage and my kids' right. daycare. 
and see and CRA if they ever look at it and say, well, wait a second, you're not really an independent contractor. You shouldn't have done that. So now we're going to ask for back taxes. Now we're going to put fines and penalties against you. It's a big problem. So you need to get this right uh, because otherwise, yeah, CRA doesn't have much of a sense of humor there. Yeah. We'll get to uh, Paul before we break. Hey, Paul, how are you, pal? Hi, I'm good. You? Good, sir. What's going on with you? Well, for me, I started from the 24th of May 2016, sporadically throughout 2016, 2017, and the last encounter was the 10th of April of this year. The first encounter, I'm a minority in this country. My boss came out to, to me and a couple of guys while I'm break. Now, I'm the only black guy there, right? So from then on, because I never do like what a lot of black guys would do, walk up and punch him or give him attitude, I just smile and grin. So from there on, I tell myself, you know what I have to do? I have to start documenting. So what I did, every time he make a, a remark to me, mm-hmm. I would document it, time and date on my cell phone. And one day, the guys went to lunch and I was playing my reggae music. I didn't want to offend anybody. It's part of my culture. I'm in Canada. I'm a minority. So I'm playing my reggae music. He came out of the office and he said to me, turn on that N music. Uh, and no. you know what I mean by the word, the letter N. Yeah. All right? So sporadically through all that time, I just bite my tongue, bite my tongue, bite my tongue. And I said, one day it's going to come to reality. So what I did, the human rights asked me to write a letter and state my concern. Meanwhile, I went and I looked for a job. And I got a job, so I present this letter given two weeks' notice, highlighting why I'm going to believe him because of this racial uh, comments coming to me. I went up to the, the general manager and tried to present this letter. He said, I'm busy. I don't got no time. He, you already give your two weeks' notice. So my bo- the boss came to me and he said, you went upstairs? I said, yes. I said, this is 2018 and this is a different world right now. This racial comments um, shouldn't, shouldn't be allowed in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, it isn't about the money. It's about principle. I'm here in this country to provide for my family back home, and I'm here contributing to the taxes that people get in, the, in, in this country. I shouldn't be treated. I shouldn't see black underneath my skin. I shouldn't feel nowhere. I should be able to go into work and pay my taxes and be allowed to work and feel happy just like any other Canadian in this country. Well, Paul, let me, let, let me, let me stop you there because obviously I agree with you and, and you know, I spent most of my career, I spent most of my career helping people in, in very similar situations. So, so you're, you're 100% right and you shouldn't have to tolerate racism, discrimination, mistreatment in any way, shape or form in the workplace. It's wrong uh, and, and it's, it's very upsetting that that's still going on. Now, obviously, the, the process that you're undergoing is the right one, but potentially there's a better process to, to deal with this than a human rights complaint. Potentially through a legal action, you can pursue wrongful dismissal or constructive dismissal and a human rights uh, together. So what I want to do, Paul, is rather than continuing our discussion over the air, I, I want to ask some more questions. I want to find out some more specifics from you. I mm-hmm. want you to reach out to me off air. Let's talk okay. about what's happened. Let's talk about the, the human rights process. Let's decide together whether there should be a better thing we can do. Uh, and let me help you uh, fix this problem and, and get the compensation that you, you deserve because I agree. What you've described is completely inappropriate. 
Also make that call. Trust me, do it. Uh, get this number down, by the way, one 855 That is to get a hold of Lior and his uh, and his team and help at employmenthour.com. We'll take a short break, get back into our discussion of independent contractors, and we'll do the severance pay calculator. And, of course, more of your phone calls. Lines are wide open, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, and one 225 talk That is toll-free. It's the Employment Hour on Global News Radio. And we are doing this right till around 10 to 8, so plenty of time for you to call and get your questions answered. 416-870-6400, star 640. On your cell, one triple eight two two five. talk That number is absolutely toll-free. Uh, before we continue and get into our uh, more of our discussion as well about independent contractors, let's talk about that severance pay calculator. Yes, Johnny, I, I said right off the top of the show that every single week we have new people listening to our show, people yep. that have not heard the show before or just uh, uh, heard about it for the first time today. Well, you need to know about the severance calculator. You really, really need to know. So what is it? Well, we start with severancepaycalculator.com. Again, severancepaycalculator.com. And it's a tool that I created that allows anyone to find out exactly what they wrote if they lost their job. The nice thing is it's extremely easy to use. It's completely free. It's anonymous. It's there for your benefit. If you've been curious and you always wanted to know what your road, again, severancepaycalculator.com, or if you're staring at a severance letter right now and you don't know what to make of it, you don't know if it's right, spoiler alert, it's not right. Uh-huh. Severancepaycalculator.com, the first place you go to anytime if you lost your job. And it's absolutely free of charge. There's a contact button on the bottom, and it just takes seconds to use it. Check it out. Even if you don't need it right away, it's good to know you've gone through the uh, the exercise, and uh, you can use it when you uh, do need it, if that uh, if that ever happens. Brian, welcome to the show, pal. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Good. What's going on with you? I work at a service company, and a colleague of mine uh, works at a hospital that we maintain as a technician, and... Um, like he's required to do on-call work and emergency call work and attend after hours for scheduled work. And currently he has a company car, but he's going to be losing it since it's declared that this is his only site, right? And they no longer need to provide him that. And he's fine with that part. But recently he had a meeting with his manager in human resources and was told that he must have his own personal vehicle. Um, he truly shares a vehicle with his fiance, but uh, would use that for any after hours work. But they told him that wasn't good enough. They'd also have to have his own vehicle. I just wanted to know if that's huh. legal. No, it's a it's a, absolutely a great question. Uh, and obviously, going from using a company car to do the job to now having to figure out a way to get your own car to do the job especially again when you're we don't you don't have access to it necessarily is a big deal it's a big change and that's the key mm-hmm. word here it's a change to the terms of employment so I, I was talking right at the top of the show about the fact that an employer does not have the right to make significant changes to the terms of employment this is a situation of that happening if they're trying to make that type of change he has a right to say no so here's how this works if they insist on this, if they say, too bad, that's what we're doing, we don't care what you have to say, mm-hmm. he has two options. Option number one is he can figure it out and do it if that's what he wants, okay, or if he's able to do it. Option number two, if he doesn't figure it out or he can't do it, he can treat his employment as being terminated and, and get severance. We call this a constructive dismissal. 
uh, and and uh, he would be getting severance based on his age, position, and length of employment. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things I would do before he goes down that route is I would tell the company exactly and in writing why he can't do that, uh, and affirm to them that he wants to continue working, that he has no desire to to resign, because at that point the onus is on them to do something. And if they insist, if they say too bad, we still don't care. He has the right to treat that as a constructive dismissal. How long has he worked there for? Uh, about four years. Yeah. So, yeah. so he's a service guy. So he probably would be looking at six months' pay uh, now before he resigns. This is extremely important. If he does go that route with a constructive dismissal, I want him to give me a call before he does anything. But he could mm-hmm. be owed as much as six months' pay here if he decides to leave because of the situation. Because no, they don't have a right to make him uh, use his car. But he has a car. Like he, he was going to use this car to do. It's just like their family vehicle, and right. he just really doesn't want to buy a second vehicle because he is getting married, and you know. I understand. He's tight. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think he re, he meets the requirement. He has the car, and as long, and it doesn't really matter as long as he's able to fulfill his work duties and show up for those emergency calls. The thing is this, even if he has a car available just sitting in his driveway, just waiting to be driven, uh, Mm. they still don't have a right to make that change. Okay, It's still a significant change going from using a company vehicle exclusively to using your own vehicle. So whether or not he has access or not doesn't really change it so much. It's still a significant change, still a constructive dismissal. And if he wants to treat it that way, by all means, happy to talk to him. And I do want to talk to him before he does anything about it. Okay, I have your information. I'll pass it on to him. Terrific. Brilliant. Thank you, sir. And thank you for calling 416-870-6400-640 on your cell. And one triple eight two two five. talk That number is toll-free. Amanda, good evening. Hi there. What's going on? I have a question regarding human rights, a human rights complaint. Um, I have filed a human rights complaint, um, and it was accepted by the tribunal. Um, but I have a question. So... Um, I'm disabled, I'm type 1 diabetic, and legally blind in one eye. Um, I've been type 1 diabetic since I've been a child, but the blindness is something that's happened over the last year. Um, When I disclosed it to my employer, my doctor, um, I was undergoing surgeries to try and preserve the vision because my retina was still attached, and I needed to to do these uh, laser treatments in order to try and preserve vision and stop the retina from detaching. I submitted my notes to my employer, who is like a multi-million dollar company, um, and instead of offering, like instead of taking the time to look for an accommodation, they offered me a severance package right away. Like that was their their go-to first. And I'm wondering, is that correct? Is that, would that be, is that discrimination? Is that a form of ableism, like immediately just deciding that I'm no longer useful there. Well, Amanda, answer me this. Did they say, here's an option, or did they actually say, okay, we're letting you go and here's your severance? So are you still uh, employed they, there? They, yes, I am. So they said it was an option. They said it needed to be on my own terms, and that I needed to sign it, and it needed to be my decision. I have not signed it. Um, and then when I filed my human rights complaint, three days later, they found an accommodation for me. Now, uh, in, in that severance letter, did they say what happens if you don't accept? Did they say then we'll accommodate? What, what happens if you don't accept? I never got the actual severance package. They kept just um, bringing it up. Um, you have the option. 
we don't have a way to accommodate you, you can take the severance package. Right. Um, but their first go-to was like, you know, well, you know, would you consider? Sure. Um, yeah. He, here's here's a way for you to get out of here, so to speak. Now, so they've found that accommodation, and have you continued working there? Um, I'm on leave right now because um, I'm my retina actually fully detached. It's taken a year. Nothing had happened. I had to follow up. Finally, I started uh, like learning my rights, and then you know, um, submitted like a formal complaint. I was yeah. So it's it taken a year, and it wasn't until I made the complaint to Human Rights that they actually have offered me something. Now, do you want to go back there once you're medically clear? Do you want to go back to to work, or have you decided you're not going back no matter what? I want to go back because I have to provide for my family, but like I'm ashamed. I I'm hurt. I'm you know I'm I'm not sure if they're gonna try and find a way to get rid of me after they accommodate me. Like I don't sure. feel valued. So here's the thing, uh, Amanda. Obviously, you're right. Uh, th- this absolutely is a human rights violation. If their first go-to is, yeah, we're going to find a way to, to, to push you out of here rather than, you know, here's what we can do to accommodate. And clearly, they were able to accommodate because the proof is in the pudding. As soon as you filed the human rights complaint, they've accommodated you. So, but, but here's the thing. If, in fact, you, end, you, know, you get medically clear, and I hope you do, and you go back to work there, the dollar value of your human rights complaint is not significant. Why? Because they did something wrong, but then you went back to work there, so you haven't lost anything financially. So the, the dollar value, I don't know what it is, but it could be five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000, somewhere in that range. That said, if you feel and if you decide that because of what they've done, you can't go back to work there, and obviously I can't, can't blame you, right? Uh, if you decide to, to do that, then the value of your, your human rights complaint is more significant because now you've, you're, you're not working. And beyond that, you may be entitled to, to uh, damages for constructive dismissal. So there's other entitlements that you may have uh, if you don't go back. Now, I'm not saying you, you shouldn't be go, going back to work. I'm just explaining the different options to you. Uh, but what I would want to do is I would want to speak to you a bit more off-air, privately. Uh, I want to find out more about the company and, and your job and your employment there. Uh, but if I'm looking at strictly dollars and that's it, nothing else, the, the value of your case is is greater if you, you've decided you're not able to go back to work there. Does that make sense, Amanda? Yes. Yes. I've done a lot of, like, research on my own, and, like, to me it was obvious that there was a violation. Like, this is right, because I said I, I can still legally drive a car, I can still work, and I want to work. Um, but that wasn't an option until um, until I made the complaint. Yeah, no, it, it, it absolutely is a human rights violation, and it's one that will resolve quickly because they're not even, I, I think, going to really fight this, at least not too far, because they're going to lose. So you have to simply decide how you want to proceed with this if you need my help, and if you decide you want to go back or not go back, then let's talk before you actually advise the company. Appreciate the call, Amanda. The number to get a hold of Lior, if you haven't got it already, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. It is help at employmenthour dot com. You can use uh, that as well for email. Gord, welcome to the show. How are you? Okay, sir. What's going on was, with you? Well, I was wondering. Um, not so much for me. This is in the past. Maybe for people to know their rights. Can you secretly record? Uh, like, say, an interview for employment, or let's say you get pulled in the office or something because you complained about something. Can you keep secretly record that conversation? Is that legal? Yes. You're able to record a conversation as long as you're part of that conversation. 
So if you are recording a conversation that John and I are having without John and I knowing, that is illegal. But if you're speaking to me and you're recording that conversation, I don't know about it, but you're part of that conversation, then you're allowed to record it. So, so yes, you can record a conversation that you're part of. Uh, legally, you, you can do that. It's not, uh, it's not illegal. It is a criminal offense, though, to record a conversation that you're not part of. Well, now, if they ask you if you're recording it, do you have to tell them the truth? No, you don't. But again, depending on the situation, if your boss calls you into a meeting uh, to discuss something and you, they, he asks you, are you recording, and you say no, and later on it turns that you were recording, there could be repercussions there because they may say you're being dishonest, so they may be able to discipline you. Again, it's not illegal, but you know, the company may say you, you were dishonest, we asked you a question, you said no, but you were lying, so, so you, you're taking a risk if you do it that way. Yeah, because so the last time interviews, they ask you uh, illegal questions, and if you go into the office, let's say you complain about something, and they berate you, you know you have legitimate uh, uh, concerns. Yeah, I personally, I am a fan of recording conversations. If, if you think you want to have a record of it, as again, as long as you're part of it, I don't have a problem with it. I am more concerned if your boss asks you specifically. Usually, they won't, uh, unless you make it very obvious. You know, you kind of put your phone next to their mouth, so to speak. Then, then that's probably a telltale sign. But beyond that, you can record, uh, and it's there's nothing illegal about it. Can you tell that you're recording it, and if they refuse to go with the interview? Um, let's say in a disciplinary thing going on, uh, uh, where, where do you stand there? Well, if you tell them, they'll probably tell you to turn it off. So, uh, I mean, you absolutely can tell them, but they'll tell you to turn it off. And if you don't, then, again, there they could be dis disciplinary repercussions. So I, I wouldn't advise that. Gordon, appreciate that call. If uh, you need to get a hold of the or any other time, help at employmenthour.com is email and one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That is the number for you as well. Call in plenty of time. You got till about ten two, and that is four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on your cell. There's also the option of one triple eight two two five talk, and that is toll free. Uh, James, good evening. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Um, one of my sons worked for a catering place just for four months. They paid him by direct deposit once a month. They didn't take any deductions off. Hasn't filed his taxes, so I'm doing that now. I talked to the company for a T4, and they said, no, he was an independent contractor. Now, I've already got his bank statements for the four months. I just send that to Revenue Canada. That's what went in. That's not a problem. But I'm just wondering what kind of rights he might have, like for vacation or severance or do independent contractors, they have any rights at all? Well, he wasn't an independent contractor. That's the problem. The problem is that they were calling him something that he's not. He worked their regular hours? Yes. And, and you know, he essentially had a job. He went there, he did his job, he came home, right? Right. So he was an employee in the eyes of the law. This is what we were talking about earlier in the show. It's, he was misclassified. This happens very, very often. You know, so I have a full-time uh, assistant. She works for me, right? She's been working for me for six years. If I decide to call her an independent contractor, it doesn't make her an independent contractor, right? The, the law is still going to consider her to be uh, an employee. And the same thing with your son. Now, did they let him go? Yeah, they did. Uh, and, and he was there for four months catering. How old, how old is your son? Uh, 32. So your son would probably be looking at up to two months of severance, okay? I mean, that 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 could be what he's owed, yeah. And he would well, be owed vacation let, pay for that time. They let him go for non-attendance. He didn't attend a couple of times, so they let him go. So, I mean, 
I mean, my I, I said he deserved what he got. He didn't show up for work. The question I have is, can I file a complaint with employment standards and ask for a vacation pay? Or Absolutely. And, and I almost guarantee that you'll get it. Uh, I mean, they're really cracking down on, uh, on employers that misclassify. So, yes, you'd get vacation pay. But, hey, don't assume that just because you missed a couple of shifts, and that's not a good thing. Don't get me wrong. It's not a good thing to miss shifts. But that does not mean that they're in a position to let them go without severance. It's very difficult to let someone go without severance. So it may still be worth it to give me a call to discuss that issue. You don't need my help for vacation pay. You can absolutely go to the Employment Standards Act uh, branch uh, to the Ministry of Labor for that. Yeah. But we should discuss the severance because the Ministry of Labor can't help you with that. Uh, but uh, right. I may be able to, depending on, on some, some questions I'd want to ask them. I I got your number. You know what I'll do? I'll email you the bank statements for the four months and a brief outline of where and who we work for. I'll send that to you. Then I'll make an appointment. I just bounce it off you. Thanks. Sounds good. Have a great Sounds show, good. by the way. Great show. Thanks, James. James, appreciate the compliment. And, yeah, you've got the numbers and the emails. So, uh do it for sure. Uh, we're talking about, uh, as well as your phone calls as we get them in here last few minutes, talking about independent contractors and what is, what isn't. There's a lot of uh, misinformation out there. Okay, you pay your own taxes, doesn't make you an independent contractor. We got that. How about this one? You're incorporated. Does that mean you're an independent contractor? It is extremely easy to incorporate, right? All, all you got to <laughs> do is you got to fill out a few forms, pay a, pay a fee, and pop. Instead of uh, just being John Scholes, now you're John Scholes, Inc., uh, oh, wow, that sounds important. Do. Pretty important, right? And you may think, well, if I'm now John Scholes, Inc., and yeah. I work for a company as John Scholes, Inc., well, clearly I'm an independent contractor, right? Right. Uh, not so fast. No, in fact, not, not at all. Whether you're incorporated or not has absolutely nothing at all to do with whether or not you're an independent contractor. Nothing, okay? Yeah. It's easy to incorporate. Anyone can do it. And the fact that you did it doesn't make you an independent contractor. Again, if it was that simple everyone would be an independent contractor everyone would just pay that that that, that fee and uh all of a sudden voila you're an independent contractor it doesn't work that way again as i was telling james before it's a question of whether or not you have a job if you have a job then you're an employee if you're in business for yourself then you're an independent contractor okay those are different things altogether if you work for someone you're an employee if you work for yourself, you're an independent contractor. That's what it comes down to. And whether or not you've incorporated it is irrelevant. Now, there's tax reasons, liability reasons, why you may want to incorporate it, uh, to incorporate, I should say, but that does not make you an independent contractor, not even close. You know, some people are going to be listening to this going, yeah, but why, why does the law or why should the law interfere if both the company and the individual agree that they're not an employee? Why do they care? You know, I get that asked often, and I, oh. I get that asked often, by the way, by American companies uh, when, I, when I speak to them, because uh, in the U.S., uh, the law doesn't interfere so much. Well, the problem is, uh, the reason why the law interferes is because we're trying to protect individuals, because what a great way to avoid employee rights, avoid vacation pay, avoid overtime, avoid severance by saying, hey, hey, you know what? You're not an employee. You're an independent contractor. Now we don't have to pay vacation, minimum wage, all that stuff. Well, again, if it was that easy, then everyone would be an independent contractor. There would be no such thing as employment law or employee rights, and that's why the law interferes. If you look like an employee and act like an employee, then you deserve the rights and protections of an employee, 
even if someone calls you something else. So the law can't just leave it be. The law has to interfere and intervene to make sure that employee rights are protected. So in all the years that you've been doing this and people coming to you or taking the phone call saying, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm an independent contractor. I know that for sure. How common is it to see an employee that is mischaracterized as an independent contractor? It is extremely common, probably one of the top two or three scenarios that I deal with every single day. In fact, when someone calls me not being sure if they're an employee or independent contractor, 98 out of 100 times, they are, in fact, employees. Uh, You know, like I said, I like to use always the plumber example. Plumbers don't call me wondering if they're employees or independent contractors. Plumbers know correctly that they're independent contractors because they're in business for themselves, they, they have clients, they don't just work for one person, so they know. Uh, but most people, if they have a job, they usually call me when they lose the job, and they're saying, well, I, I think I'm an independent contractor because the company was withholding, uh, sorry, was not withholding taxes, and in fact, they are employees. So if you're not 100% sure then let me spoil it for you. You are an employee. Okay, if you're not 100% sure what you are, you are an employee almost always, which means you have a, a, a lot of rights, and it's extremely important to remember those, especially if you lose your job. Does an independent contractor get severance? Well, an independent contractor does not get severance. An independent yeah. contract could be terminated with little or no notice, and that's the problem, whereas an employee gets severance. So m- most people. Uh, when they're let go, supposedly when they're independent contractor, don't get any severance. Maybe they'll get a day or a week's pay if they're lucky. And they think, well, I'm an independent contractor. I don't get anything. When in fact, they are employees and they could be owed 6, 10, 12, 24 months of pay, of severance. So that's why it's so important to get this right. You don't want to walk away from tens of thousands of dollars that you are legally owed, legally owed, just because you believe something that it's not true. So for all our listeners out there, if you're supposedly an independent contractor, number one, if you're not sure, call me. Let's talk about it. Let's be sure. But if you lose your job, it's even more important to reach out, to give me a call, to talk about it, to make sure at that point that you're not walking away from your legal rights. Again, another uh, another good hour. It goes so quickly. Lots of information out there. I want to get a hold of Lior after this. It is real simple. one 821 5900 It is help at employmenthour.com. If you have not tried it yet, do so. Severancepaycalculator.com. Find out exactly what you should be owed. Make the phone call. Try the calculator. Send the email. We have our weekend shows coming up, of course, and Employment Hour in 30 on Global TV and CTV on your weekend mornings as well. We will do it again on the weekend. Looking forward to it. Till then, On Point with Alex Pearson is coming right back on Global News Radio.